Let's get into session 38, where we talk about the perfect balance entity and also people from Sirius. Let's begin. As you will see at this point, the sessions are pretty short. So some of them I'm gonna cover in just one video. And that has to do, as we know so far, with Carla being a little weak of her LSD ingestion prior and also being sick, as well as being very depleted uh, in the past uh, sessions. So that led them to have very uh, short sessions. And that's what we're gonna get into. I think that's the reason why the questions are a little bit scattered and no specific line of questioning aside from a couple of things because they didn't have enough time. So we're going to see that in this one. There's one question that I didn't cover here and it had to do with um, Don and Jim offering to start because of this same uh, problem that they were having that Carla was very exhausted or tired or depleted of energy and she was losing a lot of weight. So Don wanted to know if it was possible for them to take uh, her place for the beginning of the session. And essentially just Ross said, that's the first question that I didn't put here. So I'm just gonna summarize it. And Ross said, no, you know, that's, uh, I mean, they don't say no, they say, you know, as usual, you know, this is borderline, you know, infringement upon free will, meaning that it's your choice if you want to do it or not. Uh, but, you know, assuming that you want to know, you know, and that you want this to be, you know, they word it in a way it's like, all right, we can find a loophole in the Confederation guidelines to tell you that uh, at this time, Don, maybe Jim, no, they both need experience and uh, trial and error. And then they need to attune to, um, to the frequency and the harmony that they provided as a group now. So it's like changing, you know, the, the order of things and essentially it was just like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> so they they decided to keep going with Carla. Carla, of course, was very dedicated. They, they had only been at this point uh, eight weeks into it, not even eight weeks uh, into, into this. And you can imagine uh, that's two months, that's almost uh, 40 sessions already. So they were really going hard at it. Uh, sometimes skipping a couple of days and at times doing even twice a day at the beginning mostly but now not so much and i think this is the point where they said okay you know it's time to start taking more rest more days in between and just you know slow it down so uh that being said uh just a little easter egg here this is session 38 and this is my last session at age 38 coincidentally I'm going to record session 39 definitely after I am 39 years old, officially. So uh, just a little synchronicity there that I noticed that I'm going to um, turn 39 for session 39 and I'm gonna cover 38 while I'm still 38. So know, those little things that I call magic in life. So just wanted to share that. Uh, what else? I think we're ready to start. I don't have anything else to say. So the first question that I have from Don is actually question two of session 38. 
And Don says, backtracking just a little bit today, I would like to know if the reason the nuclear energy was brought into this density 40 or so years ago had anything to do with giving the entities that were here, who had caused the destruction of Maldic, another chance to use energy peacefully rather than destructively. Is this correct? Really good question. Ross says this is incorrect in that it places cart before horse. <laughs> uh, I'll joke about this in a bit. Uh, as your people say, uh, I don't think we say it that way, Ra. All right, they continue. The desire for this type of information attracted this data to your people. It was not given for a reason from outside influences. Rather, it was desired by your peoples. From this point forward, your reasoning is correct in that entities had desired the second chance which you mentioned. So, um, I just think it's funny that, I don't know, uh, Ra sounds like a foreigner trying to speak English. This guy right here. That's why I know it, because I used to say things like this uh, when I started when I started learning English at age 20-something. Um, that's a long story. So, <laughs> I just like when they say, you know, places cart before horse. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I thought the way it says is cart before the horse makes more sense and you know coming from session 37 where they said you know our syntaxes and our way of speaking you know it's very uh specific and so on i thought it was funny that they would say that so that's why i left so now back to the question um so don is asking if the information for nuclear energy was something that it's kind of like carried um uh, carried out by external influences to give the people of Maldic another chance of, um, you know, uh, experimenting with this as opposed to blowing themselves up. They would use it, you know, for beneficial uh, stuff, which they didn't, if you remember. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the rest that kept going on for years. So, no. <laughs> um, anyhow. So Ra says, um, no, it's putting the card before the horse or card before horse <laughs> when, uh, because see the desire for this information is what attracted it. It's not like it was given to them so they can deal with it. It's just that they felt that they could deal with it or us. Remember, we're a collective con uh, consciousness. So that means that whatever we carry with us, you know, is everybody combined, you know, and of course there's the influence of Maldic and Mars and all the wonders and people people from Deneb, even though those people from Deneb were just second density entities that came here to explore third density, but who knows how many other planets we have here in the mix. So no, in any case, uh, yeah, they, they asked for it. They consciously asked for it. This is our scientists just, you know, wanting to know. It's nothing, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound judgmental by saying that, I don't know, it's these people that needed, I don't know, it, it was a need at the time technology was developing and you know this this was just what was in the collective consciousness to ask for and yeah from that point meaning you know from that point forward that after they asked then yes you know it is kind of like a second chance now that we have it it's like our second chance to not destroy ourselves and i think we learned that lesson or maybe we were enforced as some people say by um positive beings and completely disarmed all nuclear bombs as they have reported. There's a lot of reports on that. If you haven't, just Google it. You'll find a lot of stuff that says uh, how UFOs have been sighted, you know, in nuclear facilities, um, nuclear hives, uh, whatever they're called, 
you know, the, the missiles that they had and they had disarmament. I don't know, it's just very interesting stuff. But in any case, you know, that's not happening anymore. We're we're safe. You know, we got we got home safe. So, next question, 38.3. Don says, what was the mechanism of fulfilling the desire for the information regarding nuclear energy? Ross says, as we understand your query, the mechanism was what you may call inspiration. Don pushes and says, was this inspiration a... Would an entity impress the person desiring the information with thoughts? Would this be the mechanism of the inspiration? Ross says, the mechanism of inspiration involves an extraordinary faculty of desire or will to know or to receive in a certain area accompanied by the ability to open to a to and trust in what you may call intuition. So, um, this is a great way of exploring the mechanisms of our uh, consciousness. Okay, so Don is asking, you know, how does this work? You know, then inspiration. Inspiration in this case is our desire to seek, our will focus into a point of knowledge, understanding, or any sort of uh, reception of information that we want. This means that if we want something, this is the law of attraction, for example, you have to put your will to it. You have to embody that. You have to really decide it from your heart, not so much from the intellect, not so much from, you know, uh, from capricious, say, you know, desires, but really, you know, and you can see this in scientists, of course, because they're so mathematicians. I mean, they live in that universe. Their life just exudes that information. Like they, they see that. And, you know, people like us also, we exude this type of seeking. We talk about this in our minds. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I'm always in my mind. The voice in my head, you know, the monkey in my head is always talking about, you know, densities and energy centers and look at this and, you know, the catalyst and people are points of consciousness and so on. You know, like this is, it's, it's, uh, it's vibrating in me and in all of us. So this, this is the seeking that is, it's focused. And from that focus, I love how they say the mechanism of inspiration, okay, the mechanism of inspiration in which we receive information involves an extraordinary faculty of desire or will desire to want something but not to be confused with vanal desire vanal desire um just um you know true desire from your heart or will will is a word that i like a lot more because it's just you want that you know you have your will plays on that to know or to receive in a certain area to know to get knowledge or to receive information in a certain area accompanied by the ability to open to and trust open to intuition and trust intuition essentially so in a practical way this mechanism for me is when you desire specific information so say for example i want to embody uh what it is you know to have no mind this is my my purpose i want to have no mind as in the oriental sense philosophy buddhism true mind is no mind so it's not a matter of just you know i want to understand what no mind is no my will is focused on having no mind knowing exactly what it is intellectually then i want to embody it then i will focus my will on that and i will take the experiences 
and open my intuition and say, okay, my intuition, whatever I receive, I'm going to measure it in terms of that. I'm going to see through that lens, basically. And that's how we get the mechanism of inspiration, which um, I want to say that it works inner and not outer, meaning that we summon that from our inside and not from external sources that, you know, telepathically uh, given to people. That can happen, of course, but I think when we focus our will, we're doing magic through the unconscious, meaning that we're not working through the external, but through the internal. And that is the roots of the mind, if you haven't watched that. Uh, I made a separate video also. You can go watch the tree of mind in my channel. I forgot what session it was, 31, maybe 29, I don't know, around there. So um, there I explain a lot more what the tree of mind is. And in any case, you know, that's, that's how I feel inspiration and our will is focused but that doesn't exclude that we get external information the only thing is that external inf information can be tainted of course because orion is out there orion is not inside um so yeah know thyself inside go inwards my brothers and sisters okay so next question don says could you tell me how each of the rays read through violet would appear in a perfect balance undistorted entity and here we get to the uh to the bones of this session ross says we cannot tell you this for each balance is perfect and each unique we do not mean to be obscure let us offer an example in a particular entity let us use this instrument the rays may be viewed as extremely even red orange yellow the green ray is extremely bright. This is, shall we say, balance by a dimmer indigo. Between these two, the point of balance resides, the blue ray of the communicator sparkling in strength above the ordinary. So I'm gonna go little by little, um, illustrating this whole thing that's happening. Don wants to know how does the undistorted, uh, and it's beautiful how Don is actually looking at this, because he's looking at it from the metaphysical point of view. It's almost, this is how you know that you're a higher density being, in my limited view, and just may, maybe me, my opinion. Um, when you start seeing the, the creation from these points of view that are just higher consciousness, this is why, you know, rightly so, a lot of people who have been, I'm not saying they're not wanderers or they're not, you know, higher density beings or anything, uh, but people who are untrained, say me, three years ago, would say like, no, I don't get that. You know, your consciousness starts expanding as you go deeper into these views of reality. So Don is looking at it from, you know, from that point of view, from a metaphysical point of view and saying like, how does the balance undistorted entity look like in terms of energy centers? And so Ra is saying right from the get go, uh, we cannot tell you this because everybody's perfect, basically, and each unique. We don't mean to be obscure in a way like, oh, you know, we can't tell you exactly, you know, you know, this is, you know, like trying, you know what I mean. So Ra is saying, you know, sorry, you know, it's just, that's how it is. And they say, let's use an example, Carla. Carla has, uh, at this point, and I'm sure throughout her whole life, she had a very balanced, even, as they say, red, orange, yellow, three uh, lower chakras, you know, our animal, our identity, our societal uh, views of the world. She was pretty balanced. She didn't have distortions there, or at least 
you see they say extremely even so that means she had very little blockages if any at all there she's very very much a, a channel of that energy going straight to the heart now they say the green ray is extremely bright she was her loving nature and you could see that from Carla if you ever heard her talk you can see that or you can hear or you can see her you know she's just like ah, you just wanted to hug her you just wanted to just be around her you know just, she was this vibrating you know ball of love I love her who doesn't so anyhow that <laughs> that's that was her heart this is, shall we say, balanced by Dimmer Indigo. So her Indigo, and I'm not quite sure how this works because they say balanced by Dimmer Indigo, like she wasn't, if she had a, a bright Indigo, I'm not sure how that worked, but she had a Dimmer Indigo. So this means that she was sort of having um, maybe the bright, the extremely bright, because see, here's a little hidden stuff that, um, Maybe the green ray being extremely uh, uh, bright meant that it had to take away from another... Um, now that I see it, I'm maybe thinking about it this way. Uh, me being a dimmer indigo because she... Dim, indigo is your ability to see yourself as a, an entity of infinite worth. Somebody who is the creator, definitely is the creator, you know, and you cannot see yourself other way taking it everything into account love and, and wisdom so that was a dimmer indigo they didn't say that she had a uh, say uh, problems with indigo or anything it's just that it was dimmer than the green ray then they say between these two the point of balance resides I guess the point of balance being that one is dimmer the other is extremely bright and but they do say the blue ray of the communicator sparkling in strength above the ordinary so it was a a little bit you know brighter than usual too above the ordinary uh, so she had a lot of this of course um, development in wisdom in the ability to speak and communicate and to express herself so this is this is like um, a good um, like they say a good example of one one entity they're going further now with the violets ray which is going to be described in a couple of ways so they say in the violet ray we see this unique spectrograph if you will and at the same time the pure violet surrounding the whole this in turn surrounded by that which mixes the red and violet ray indicating the integration of mind body and spirit this surrounded in turn by the vibratory pattern of this entity's true density so they are literally energetically dissecting carla and saying you know they describe each energy center until the violet ray and the violet ray has a couple of characteristics the first one is that it is the sum they always say that the violet ray is a sum of all energy centers so they can read that in what they uh, they use the word spectrograph as as an example and um, then after that which is the sum of all the colors they can see it in the violet ray there is the sheer pure violet uh, ray so above that or surrounding that is um, the pure violet which is the energy center the violet energy center so energy center is one through six then a sum of them which is red through the violet ray and surrounded on violet ray in a sphere let's call it a sphere there is a pure violet ray and then 
this uh, okay so this in turn is surrounded by light which mixes the red and violet ray so there is another sphere that is the uh, the mix of the red and violet ray so those two which uh, they they have mentioned that red and violet are the two colors that they see to know if somebody is ready for harvest those two I don't I'm not sure why uh, but it seems to be like they only read up until this point. They don't they don't need to go into the details and it kind of makes sense as we go on They don't need to go into you know, let's see how much development they have in green or blue or how many blockages They may have in you know the lower centers They only care about the those two. Okay, that is the um, The measurement that they take for harvest or we all take, it's not they, they're not managing us, they're, we're not their field of corn or wheat or whatever, uh, <laughs> it's us. So surrounded by that which is the red and violet ray, indicating the integration of mind, body and spirit. So the red and violet ray indicates that integration that is essential, of course, for harvest, for graduation. Integration of mind, body and spirit. You have to have that development. So from there, it's almost like maybe um, a qualification note, let's call it that way, a grade, you know, where you can read that. And this is surrounded in turn by the vibratory pattern of this entity's true density. So there is a vibratory pattern that exists surrounding the whole, which indicates where you come from. That is your true density. If you're coming from fourth, fifth, sixth, or if you are from third, you know, that is your vibratory pattern. So this is how they read an entity, not the perfect balance entity because the, there is no perfect balance entity. To me, the perfect balance entity is crystallized completely and is a Buddha, which means they don't belong in the creation anymore. They're just here, you know, saying hello, <laughs> literally. So they have achieved that point, you know, so I don't know, this is just me putting stuff uh, around here, but yeah, that is how they read, you know, somebody. Now we're gonna get into more descriptions of this. They say, this description may be seen to be both unbalanced and in perfect balance. The latter understanding is extremely helpful in dealing with other selves. The ability to feel blockages is useful only to the healer. There is not properly a tiny fraction of judgment when viewing a balance in colors. Of course, when we see many of the energy plexi weakened and blocked, we may understand that an entity has not yet grasped the baton and begun the race. However, the potentials are always there. All the rays fully balanced are there in waiting to be activated. All right, we have a little bit more, but I want to just wrap this one up when they say, this description may be see both unbalanced and in perfect balance. So how does that work? I mean, that's a paradox, right? It can be unbalanced and balanced at the same time. My intellectual mind is going to explode. So what happens here? We're talking about a perfectly balanced being in the different array. I made a, uh, an example um, this morning, actually, talking about, imagine yourself as a canvas. That canvas is empty, okay? everybody has their own picture, their own um, painting. And each one of them is different. Uh, all of us have our own canvas painted in some way. 
And there's even though there is differences in the colors and the landscapes or the objects or whatever, that has to do with our perfect configuration of colors that makes us balance. Every painting is balanced. So yes, we can change it, of course. We can keep painting and you know changing the landscape. But people do that. Actually, uh, the Mona Lisa was that way. You know, um, it was painted uh, over and over again on, over the same canvas. Isn't that funny? Right? It's one of the most famous uh, paintings. I'm not really, you know, historical um, um, illuminated. I don't know much about it, but I remember that. <laughs> da Vinci. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, that's how I see it. Every painting is it's balanced and it's perfect. It looks unbalanced when compared to others because you say, oh, wow, yours has a color or a shape or an object or a landscape or a mountain or something that I don't have. That makes it perfect. Ours is perfect too. And yet, you know, it's not the final product because we still paint on this canvas. So that's why they say the latter understanding is extremely helpful in dealing with other selves. Because when you deal with others, other people, you say like, well, you know, this guy, did you see this guy? This guy has so many blockages in his identity. You see how eccentric that guy is? Like, who are you to judge? You know, that's why they say, you know, the ability... The ability to feel blockages is useful only to the healer because the healer is the one that will approach you with no judgment. As they say, there is not properly a tiny fraction of judgment when viewing a balance in colors. The, the healer needs to be aware of your blockages because you are presenting it to him. To him, It's almost a healer is a master or a guru, a teacher. Um, they are being sought by people and this is why it's funny, you know, when some people tell you like, oh, you need to heal this. And you say like, uh, who asked you? <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, you have these distortions. If you don't ask, if you don't trust the person, then, you know, um, yeah, you, um, you shouldn't be asking, right? Um, so when you do ask, then the healer is able to tell you, well, I feel that, you know, you're having troubles with your hair you know, or you're having trouble with uh, fitting in your society for some reason. Why are your blockages there? You know, I hate my society. You know, they do this to me and they make fun of me and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, is that something you need to work out? How do you work it out? Then, you know, the healer helps you with that. Also, you know, energetic healer, that also needs to feel the blockages from you so many ways, you know, and I don't want to go into the details because I am not even that familiar with that, but you can see that there are all kinds of healers and they need to feel the blockages, not as a judgment, like they say, but as a way to, you know, see how can I help you? You know, what's your problem, basically? It's like you call customer service. The first question they ask, how can I help you? You know, that's, that's the healer. Whereas us, when seeing other people, the beauty of this is that other people are a reflection of ourselves in our mind's processes. So when we see other people and we say, oh, look at how fat that woman is, you know, or look at how skinny and unmasculine uh, or muscular that person is, or whatever, whatever it is, you know, how tall, how short, how, you know, this color, or whatever it is that is an identity. They help us, even in their behaviors, uh, which is an identity. Their behaviors and their appearances and their actions and so on, they're all a reflection of what we think should be judged in some way. 
it's a sort of measurement of our standards. And that calls into question our standards, our measurements. How do we measure other people? Because by measuring them, you're measuring yourself. It's the classical example that I always use with, do you feel you're a good person? Yes, yes, I am a good person. I want to be a good person. Well, guess what? You just created evil in your life. Because for you to be a good person, you need to have bad to compare to. For you, you know, to to be um, a righteous being, then you have to have, you know, malevolence out there that you need to uh, squash and, you know, obliterate. So, you know, you're always going to create that as long as you have a standard. And that's why, you know, the middle way is the way. So... But again, you know, you don't know that until you start measuring yourself with other people and you say like, oh, how, how, uh, how rude, you know, oh, these people are prudes, you know, oh, these people are, you know, arrogant or whatever, you know, you're just reflecting themselves. They haven't asked you anything. So it's a good therapy for us. Anyhow, they continue to say, of course, when we see many of the energy plexi, we can block, see when they see, they, meaning Ra, they see their and this is a good way because we're trying to see ourselves and others from this point of view, this consciousness. We don't have to wait until we get to sixth density. We have it right here. We have a third eye that can see through that. That's the meaning of it. That's higher consciousness. When they see that other people have weakened or blocked lower energy centers, that means that they just, you know, they just haven't, they're not in that party, man. You know, they're not there. Good. They're enjoying another party. Uh, you know, the lower floors it doesn't mean we're inferior or superior it doesn't matter you know it's just like okay yay they're enjoying that good deal um and then they say however the potentials are always there meaning that the potential is always there your perfect being is waiting for you to be realized you are perfect already it's just only that you haven't realized you haven't realized it because you're too distracted with your lower energy centers. Now, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking in general. You are a perfect being because otherwise you wouldn't be watching this. <laughs> yes, I mean that. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes we like to delude ourselves that, oh, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Oh, look at what I did. You know, what happened? Great. Those are measures as well. Just like I said, you know, catalyst that is showing you who you are, how perfect you are. So that's why they mean, you know, the potentials are always there. For those who are blocked or weakened in their lower energy centers and they're just waiting to be activated activated by the conscious being the polaris of self looking at the self and saying well let's bring this up this beautiful prana so all right i hope that makes sense ra says next perhaps another way to address your query is this in the fully potentiated entity the rays mount one upon the other with equal vibratory brilliance and scintillating sheen until the surrounding color is white. This is what you may call potentiated balance in third density. Okay, so this last one is a beautiful way to also summarize everything. They gave all the little details and now they say, uh, in the perfect, what do they call it? Fully potentiated entity, the rays, this, this means that all the energy centers are um, shining, as they say, I don't know if I pronounce that way, Scintillating, scintillating, scintillating sheen, scintillating sheen. Sounds like I'm talking Chinese. Um, yeah, the vibratory brilliance surrounding the color is white because every energy center is going at its uh, maximum power or maximum power not being, you know, a measurement, but just what the entity was 
configured to be, programmed to be, and then that person is shining white. There is no distortion, there is no blockage. That person is just flowing and shining, shining white, because all colors eventually come from white. And if you have imbalances, then you may see yourself a little muddied. But if you have a good balance, then all your rainbow should be bright as white true color white so this is what you may call potentiated balance in third density potentiated balance in all the energy centers in our third density so it's a description of third density only there's a lot of differences in other uh densities i'm not 100 familiar with all of them not even a portion of it i don't even know but it's just this is third density let's not delve into that so all right next question don says is it possible for a third density planet to form a social memory complex which operates in third density ra says it is possible only in the latter or seventh portion of such a density when entities are harmoniously readying for graduation uh not to sound you know dark humor here but we're not ready for um for that <laughs> not right now maybe in the future if things go well with this uh consciousness awakening that's happening who knows um forgive me for my sarcasm i just tend to be this way so we'll see but yeah certainly not now with all that we see <laughs> pretty separated so okay uh yes third uh social memory complex is as ra would say here a um a phenomenon of four density but it is possible in third density in the latter or seventh portion of such a density so when they say seventh um ladder or seventh portion ladder means uh in this case like one of the last steps and um seventh is because a development in third density goes from one through seven from survival i'm an animal I'm alive to you know i am an entity that has other entities around and we can get together that's the animal um you know pack and so on then the tribal of yellow and societal groups and then the realization that we're all you know together in this and that's fourth and then fifth and sixth and so on and that's how we as a collective grow in Um, as an entity collective as an entity that really becomes the social memory complex all beings thinking in one direction one service service to self service to others so uh service to self rod's going to say that it's that they're not even aware that exists a social memory complex in third density but i'm getting ahead of myself the point is that when they say the latter seven portion of such a density could mean I've I thought about this in a couple of ways. This could be accomplished really early on in our master cycle, meaning that maybe in the first or second, you know, uh major cycle, in the first 50,000 or 25,000 years, we could accomplish this. I think that's possible because I don't I don't see in this example, I don't see why that we need to wait until a specific uh portion But then in my other example, there might be a reason why. So I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if they, you know, the seventh 
means that we have to wait until the end of the cycle, master cycle, like right now, because you start getting the four density vibrations as we are right now, and then that helps to become a social memory complex. But then again, should we depend on that? Or do we have the power of the universe always at any time to become a social memory complex if we're all united? Good question. I don't know, maybe I'm going beyond the question, but just something that made me think about it. So, all right, portion of such a density when entities are harmoniously readying for graduation. Yep, so uh, you don't ready for graduation at, you know, at the end of the master cycle. Ra has actually said that we don't need third density to finish the master cycle. We could all be graduated between the first and the second or within the first one, who knows? Uh, so yeah, you know, we start exploring maybe social memory complex before graduating. I don't know. It's just one of those things. The thing is that uh, it's not happening right now. You know, we're a little far from that. So that's potential. You know, like I said, I don't want to, whenever I sound like, you know, we're not there yet or something like that, or when I talk to somebody and I counsel them about, you know, their life or, you know, how they see themselves and blah, blah, blah. I always point out that this is the, um, the potential you have, what you're seeing, the darkness in you, or whatever it is that you're deluding yourself that you're not God, um, that is the potential that you have. So you should be happy to be in a depressed state because the potential that you have now that you know this, you know, the potential that you have of realizing the beauty of yourself is enormous. You know, whereas, you know, people who have advanced and they're simply enjoying their life there, they're there, you know, they're just enjoying it. But that journey is huge. So that's the journey that we have now to social memory complex, whether it happened in third density, because I think it still can happen, um, or in fourth density. It doesn't seem like fourth density is going to happen. I mean, third density, social memory complex, but I'm just being pessimist. All right. Don says in the next question, could you give me an example of a planet of this nature? both a third density service to others type and a third density self-service type at this level of attainment conditions? It's a really good question. So Ra is going to say, as far as we are aware, there are no negatively oriented third density social memory complexes. Like I said before, spoiler, positively oriented social memory complexes of third density are not unheard of, but quite rare. However, an entity from the star Sirius planetary body has approached Sirius's planetary body has approached this planetary body twice. This entity is late third density and is part of a third density social memory complex. This has been referred to in the previous material. The social memory complex is a properly is properly a fourth density phenomenon. Okay, so here they say, going backtracking here, they say uh, the social memory complex is something that happens in fourth density. They also say that they have talked about this third density. Um, social memory complex of Sirius um, planetary body. And that's the Charlie Hickson. I forgot which session it was. I think it was session eight, if memory serves. Session eight, we talk about Charlie Hickson and the experience that he had and so on. Um, so we're gonna talk about, uh, about this experience here too. So that is the example of the third density social memory complex, the one that visited Charlie Hickson and completely my backtracking, then they also say that there is no negatively oriented third density social memory complex as far as they are aware. So that means that it is 
really hard, if not almost impossible, but they never, you know, they never say no or impossible. They just say, they're, as far as they're aware, there's no negatively oriented third density. Thank God, that would be a hell. I mean, I can imagine. I can only imagine a third density planet that usually goes, you know, into the negative and they're not social memory complex yet. They're, we're going to talk about this actually at the end, so I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, that's it. So we're going to go talk about uh, Sirius now a lot more seriously. Oh my god, my puns. Alright, so uh, Don says section, session 38.8. I was wondering if that particular social memory complex from the Sirius star evolved from trees. I have no idea how Don had this um, insight. Meditation, probably, because Ross says this approaches correctness. Those second-density vegetation forms, which graduated into third density upon this planet, bearing the name of Dog, were close to the tree as you know it. We're talking about Canis. Canis, um, constellation of Canis. Canis Majori, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's why they say Dog. Can, Canis. That's why they, they call it um, Dog. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ceres. We're talking about Ceres in this case. Uh, the planet that exists there, at least one of them. I know people have said that Sirius is associated with water, that dolphins come from there, uh, mermaids and uh, all sorts of things. I'm not sure. I, I, I always hear this stuff, but from what Ra says, that at least this social memory complex comes from trees. Now, we're going to see some really fascinating stuff here because we're talking about trees that evolve into third density bodies i don't know how they looked but we're going to get a little insight on that uh but they developed from second density vegetation remember we came from primates from uh our monkey brothers and cousins or whatever you want to call it our family so there's there's going to be some really cool stuff so i'm not gonna keep talking till we get there so don says I was also wondering then if, since action of a bellicose nature is impossible as far as I understand for vegetation, would not they have the advantage as they move into third density from second as to not carrying as racial memory of a bellicose nature and, therefore, develop a more harmonious society and accelerate their evolution in this nature? Is this true? All right, so Don is asking a really good question here. Since they develop from trees, and trees do not have a bellicose nature or aggressive behavior against each other, uh, like monkeys do, or primates, because we're mobile creatures, um, then they would have the advantage of not having that and develop in a more harmonious society and accelerate their evolution in this nature. That is such a brilliant question. God, I love Don. So, you see... By realizing that, you see that, you know, the, the social memory complex, because of that, because of that nature of how they developed, they were able to uh, develop this social memory complex easier because they develop in harmonious ways. And the question is, if it's true, by the passionate way I'm describing this, you know, that Ra is going to say, this is correct. However, to become balanced and begin to polarize properly, it is then necessary to investigate movements of all kinds especially bellicosity. So I'm going to cover that in a bit. This next question, Don says, I am assuming then that their investigations of bellicosity were primarily the type that they extracted from Hickson's memories rather than warfare among themselves. Is this correct? 
Ra says. This is correct. My god, Don is nailing it. Entities of this heritage would find it nearly impossible to fight. Indeed, their studies of movements of all kinds is their form of meditation, due to the fact that their activity is upon the level of what you would call meditation, and thus must be balanced, just as your entities need constant moments of meditation to balance your activities. This is the fascinating part. I think it's beautiful. I think this is just... Alright, so... Um, yeah, so they need to investigate what bellicosity is, and that's why they, I think that's what they got from Charlie Hickson, like their memories, his memories of his experience in war, I think that there's at least a couple, or maybe it was just him, but these entities came here to just, it was like playing a movie for them, you know, and getting from his consciousness some experience and saying, whoa, this is what they do. This is crazy. <laughs> they blow each other up. We never did that. <laughs> so, yeah, they. Uh, I guess they enjoy that. You know, it's a good movie. It's like watching Band of Brothers, you know, from a different perspective. <laughs> so, oh my God, Band of Brothers. What an excellent series or show. In any case, um, yeah, so they wanted to explore this. And they needed to explore this because they... They need to be balanced, just like they need to explore anything, you know, they need to explore the negative possibilities too. And by doing this, they can reflect upon, you know, imagine us doing this to ourselves. At that point, there were social memory complex, so they were like, all thinking as one and saying, wow, okay, that is terrible, you know, that's definitely not, the, we didn't miss that, okay, we, we're not, that's fine, you know, that it didn't happen. Much like we can say about Maldic, you know, once we learn from them, and say, you know, this is probably one of the biggest lessons here, and this this may be, you know, a good hint as to why planet Earth is so convoluted, because we have the, you know, the, the traumas of other planets, like Mars and Maldek. I mean, Jesus, they destroy their planets. One obliterated, and the other one was just rendered uh, completely barren. So... You know, in this case, we're exploring that too, and we're, you know, pacifying it. You know, some of us are like, hey, easy, you know, easy on the bombs, bro. So, <laughs> that's what's happening. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, the fascinating part comes from when they say, you know, some, all right, so they need to study movements of all kinds. Um, that's their form of meditation, because usually they, I mean, they evolve from trees, so they're just... They, they do a lot of standing or, you know, sitting or just contemplating. They're used to that inactivity. So their forms of meditation is actually activity, movement. And, um, you know, much like we, who are monkeys all over the place, going around trees and, you know, jumping and rolling around, and we need to settle down, you know, calm, 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 calm down. That's why when everybody's like too excited, they're bringing the monkey side and we say, calm down, relax, relax, you know, easy, sit down, <laughs> you know, meditate. That's exactly what's happening. You know, we're in the meditation um, when we're quiet, when we don't have the monkey mind, huh? pretty appropriate. Uh, and yeah, so that's, I just thought it was, you know, fascinating how, imagine the possibilities of being so many entities out there that have so many different experiences than us humans and they exist out there and we are going to explore it because it's not like we missed the ticket by being a human we are everything and as we grow in consciousness we can explore them it's almost like how we can 
explore while watching a documentary, you know, about nature, and we can explore and live that through the visual limited way of our our 3D. Well, imagine, you know, being in sixth density, as Ra says, that they can explore the consciousness of others that want to share, and they can sort of like relive their experiences. It's fascinating to me. Anyhow, we have a couple more questions to cover, and we're going into question 11. Again, 38, session 38. Don says, I believe this is an important point for us in understanding the balancing aspect of meditation, since we have here its antithesis in other type of evolution. These entities moved, we are told by Charlie Hickson, without moving their legs. They, I am assuming, they use a principle that is somewhat similar to the principle of movement of your crystal bells in moving their physical vehicles. Is this correct? Ra says, this is partially incorrect. So, all right, they're just exploring really quick. Uh, Don wants to know how they move because Charlie Hickson said, I think he uh, he's gonna say it now, but uh, the only thing I wanted to mentioned here was the bells. I think this is referring to the ships that they were using back then, Ra, to move. And this is partially incorrect in the sense that they actually use, I believe, uh, matter to form these vehicles, maybe to move themselves, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what they said in a previous session, but that's... Um, yeah, that's, that's what uh, Don is referring to, and Ron is saying this is partially incorrect. But in any case, Don is going to clarify and say, but I'm, I'm, but I'm just assuming that they, their method of movement, is not a function of mechanical leverage such as ours, but a direct function of the mind somehow connected with the magnetic action of a planet. Is this right? And Ra says, this is largely correct. It is an electromagnetic phenomenon which is controlled by thought impulses of a weak electrical nature. So I suppose their uh, bell shape sounds like the Glocke, uh, the German prototype of the first Uf well, UFO, a pretty bad term. Their first um, electrogravitic ship that they created in the 40s or 30s, I forgot. Um, the Germans, the Nazi, and um, no, I, I think, I, I forgot, I, I honestly forgot and I don't know how that vehicle was that Ra used, but they're saying that, yes, you know, the, the phenomenon is ele electromagnetic because uh, Don is saying like, okay, so they move within the electromagnetic fields of our planet, which is, as we know already, it's a medium of, of travel. Electromagnetic um, fields are mediums of, of traveling, much like water is to a fish and birds, um, go through the air, through these pockets of air, and then through the flowing of currents for the fish. In the same way, electromagnetic fields have these vortices, or vortexes, vortices, vortices. I get confused in Spanish. Vortex, the vortices, right? You know what I mean, those little spinning things <laughs> that go spiraling up, and electromagnetic fields also do that. So there are ways, you know, and currents in which, you know, we can move. That's what the uh, electrogravitic that has been 
uh, finally disclose a lot in the past years but guess what nobody's caring about this because everybody's concerned about a little thing that has many interpretations and it goes supposedly inside you and it makes you sick so you know a lot of disclosures are just being ignored but then again the information is there for anybody that wants to read it and i think that's the beauty of this you know planet you have to make a decision you want to watch the news and want to watch you know the uh fear-mongering uh, agendas then that's fine you know that's what that's what feeds you that's what rocks your boat so yeah you know it's it's the same phenomenon of electromagnetic uh fields but in this case it's controlled by thoughts impulses thought impulses of a weak electrical nature meaning i would think you know us like we we have a sort of weak electromagnetic field compared to other you know uh, vehicles or even planets obviously so i think that's what they're referring they're using their merkaba for those esoteric uh people out there they're using their merkaba merkaba i don't know merkaba so next question we're getting close to the end here don says was their craft visible to would it have been visible to anyone of our density on our planet who might have seen it or might have been in that area at that time is it a third density material the same as this chair or anything we have here ra says this is correct please ask one more full question before we close as this instrument has low vital energy at the space time like i've said uh, carla was almost depleted and yes it was visible their vehicle was visible their merkaba was visible don says next question all right i'll just ask this one i have here that could you give me some idea of what conditions are like on a fourth density negative or self-service planet? Can you do this? So again, four density negative planet. How does that look? Ross says the graduation of the four density negative is achieved by those beings who have consciously contacted intelligent infinity through the use of red, orange, and yellow rays of energy. Therefore, the planetary conditions of four density negative include the constant alignment and realignment of entities in efforts to form the dominant patterns of combined energy. All right, so little review onto how negative entities work. They shut the heart. And there's no consensus as to how this works because Ra says something confusing and some people say, yes, they use the blue ray as a way of manipulating wisdom or they jump directly into indigo, which Ra says sometimes. So it's a little confusing. But the point is that they don't use love. They don't use unconditional love, obviously. They're all about separating themselves from the creation because as separate entities, they can govern, control, manipulate society, planets, galaxies, the whole universe. That's their idea. So they grow into different consciousness all the way to six until they realize that they have been playing a game in the wrong road. <laughs> and then they say, oh, okay. I just got to switch to positive. I know people get upset about this and say how unjust that is. Uh, but I have my ways of explaining that, which I'm not going to do here. So I've done it in the past. And we need to understand that everybody is the creator playing its role in this creation, which is a big um, theatrical uh, play. So uh, that's a good review. Then they say the graduation to four density negative is achieved by those beings who have consciously contacted intelligent infinity through the use of red, orange, and yellow rays of energy. Meaning that they only concentrate on those three and they skip the hearts, possibly blue, um, 
uh, ray, and then they go into indigo. Therefore, the planetary conditions of four density negative include the constant alignment and realignment of entities in efforts to form the dominant patterns of combined energy. Of course, they need to establish their um, um, their order, you know, their hierarchies, their pecking order. And once they get into uh, into four density, because they need to, and they're going to explain a little bit more, so I'm not going to go into the details of how this works once they get into four density, because that's the next part. What they say, the early fourth density is one of the most intensive struggle when the order of authority has been established and all have fought until convinced that each is in the proper placement for power structure. The social memory complex begins. Always the fourth density effects of telepathy and the transparency of thought are attempted to be used for the sake of those at the apex of the power structure. Okay, so four density is uh, early four density is you can imagine the the mayhem that occur occurs there because everybody there just wants to know where they're at. You know, they're all they're all gods. They they all feel god. You know, I am a god, so you know I'm gonna order you. No, no, I'm gonna order you. I don't know, I'm being a little human here and playful with the idea, but you know you can imagine this going on. You know. Who is more powerful than the other? Who is more convincing? Who is more manipulative? And then they get into agreement to say, like, all right, that guy. <laughs> Gotta watch out on that guy. So, you know, they establish him. They give that guy authority. You know, that entity give, takes authority. And then the other one and the other one and the other one. And you can see how the corporate structure is laid down here. And uh, this is for density. So it takes a lot of time until they all agree and say, all right, now we're all in our corporation, in our um, industrial uh, complex. And okay, so they say, yeah, the effects of telepathy and the transparency of thought are attempted to be used for the sake of those at the apex of the power structure. Of course, the ones that benefit are the CEOs up there in four density. Those guys who are, you know, enjoying, you know, the hard work of everybody else. But everybody else is there because they want to contribute to the corporation. So good for them. That's how it works. And then that's how the company thrives and profits from its efforts. That is the transparency of thought that is used for telepathy and all that stuff. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's not appealing to me. I don't know why. Maybe to you? Let me know. Process, final part. This, as you may see, is often quite damaging to the further polarization of four density negative entities. For the further negative polarization can only come about through group effort. As the four density entities manage to combine, they then polarize through such services to self as those offered by the Crusaders of Orion. Okay. Well, this is delaying their process of further polarization because for them to polarize more they need to work in a combined fashion so it's almost like you know when we become positively oriented in a social memory complex everybody wants to share who they are everybody wants to grow together i want to know what you can do to heal me you know this is we're seeing this right now. I know we, I talk about a lot of the, the dark aspects of our world, but um, a lot of people ask, you know, for uh, how's it going to look when we're in fourth density? Well, we are already. Look around. Don't watch the news. And this is why I use sarcasm because I want to point out, I want to point to one direction so bad, so you want to look back. 
And then when you look back, you may say like, oh, yes, you know, it's true. I'm not saying you, but you know what I mean. It's good to use that with people, you know, to point them in that direction and say, yes, the world's going to end. It's going to be miserable. We're going to all die, you know, and then they say, well, but uh, I love my kids. And there you go. There's, you know, there's beauty in this world, isn't it? So uh, at this point, you can see that when we become polarized positively, we want to do that. And we're doing it right now. That's why, you know, people are expressing themselves. People are doing what they do. Of course, there's always, but we cannot just see the negative side of things. You know, we've been conditioned that way maybe, but you know, every negative has a positive. So let's go to the positive. Uh, there's so much beauty. The music that is being played now or uh, constructed and you know, the, the things that people are doing, you know, it's just some of them very naive. Yeah, sure, whatever. You know, we don't need to be wise at this point. It's, an, it's a possibility, but hey, as long as it's loving and caring, that's all that matters, right? So there's a lot of four density, you know, that we can see now, and we can use this as an example. Whereas a negative um, uh, planet, they would need to use this, um, they would lose a lot of polarization because they have all the struggle going on and, you know, they can't really communicate well until everything is established and they say, the four density entities manage to combine as the four density entities manage to combine. So their, uh, their ladder structure, they then polarize through such services to self as those offered by the crusaders of Orion. Remember what does Orion do? They come here and uninvited and say, Hey, here's my service. Uh, take my card. No, thank you. No, here it is. Uh, <laughs> get out. Um, so <laughs> that's what they do, you know, and they, this is the conquest that they have. And, you know, that's why they're called the Crusaders, because it's um, they're bringing their religion just like our Crusaders back then, the Templars. They used to come and say, I'll convert you. And you say, I don't need to be converted. Oh, that means that you need to be converted, brother. Uh, let me wash your sins with some fire and oil, burning oil. So <laughs> that's the Crusaders, you know, in a four density way, just delivering their negative philosophy. So. That is, um, that's it. That makes sense. Um, I think I covered that pretty well. I don't think I left anything. In any case, um, that's the end of session 38. And conclusions are going to be on the perfect balance entity that you are. Now we have a perceivable self, which is the one that is, um, that is the ego, the identity of self that is always doing things and that helps us to realize the other aspects of ourselves which is pure consciousness who we are so if we use this and this is what i mean you know like the dark night of soul and all this stuff all that is informing us is how stray we are from the right path from our thoughts because i want this because i can't have that because i'm not in the right place because i don't have the right people all of those things reek of our inabilities to cope with reality being perfect as it is that's fine you know i'm not judging i come from there i still have those things but we become aware of that and it's a tool to realize that all you need to do is accept your reality as it is um, people talking to you in a way and it pisses you off that means that you have potential to change that because you're a positive being right so you just know, I mean, you have the formula already, you're a positive being, what do you do? You look at things positively. So when you're not seen positively because we get stuck in that and we say, well, what am I gonna do? You know, I, can't, I just can't see, you know, this positively. This is all negative, it's all terrible. 
life sucks. Okay, that's all telling you the potential that you have now to see the positive. And what you need to realize is why you think that way. Assume that, that, is, that you're right. Assume that everything is miserable. Why is that? Well, you go through the process of thinking and saying, all right, well, you know, what's, uh, oh, because, you know, this, this sucks because my, uh, in my family, they used to say this. I'm just going to use a very, um, very, very basic example or not even to expand it. Well, yes, let's assume that my family was right. Why do they base that? Well, because their parents were, you know, uh, bigots. And oh, okay, well, that means that my parents are bigots too. So am I a bigot? Okay, let's say I'm a bigot. And then you keep going until you find nonsense. You will find nonsense. In fact, you will find nothing. And that's where you realize that all this time you've had this conviction of emptiness, of nothingness, of an illusion. Again, it's a very simple example. Everybody's complicated in their ways and uh, attitudes and behaviors. So, but it is a sign, you know, it is a sign that everybody's balanced, everybody's perfect in their way until they, uh, they don't realize it, until they find those things that attach you to the illusion of the world. So in that sense, all that is left is just to find yourself again. So that is where the perfect balance resides. And even in the people that seemingly uh, look uh, one way or another, that is perfect. Like I said, I think the canvas example was perfect for me because it does illustrate how everybody has their own, um, their own configuration. And it's a good way for us to see each other. And once you have all this gnosis, then you can approach um, people asking you for help in the way that if you want to become a healer, you can always say, sorry, I don't know if I can help you. I'm in trouble with myself <laughs> as it is. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just the possibilities are there. Anyhow, just follow your heart. That's the whole thing. I know it sounds simple, but you follow your heart, follow your intuition. Like Ross said, you know, just trust your intuition, open to the intuition and you will feel a lot more liberated because you don't have to do so much thinking. With that, I'm done with session 38. Next session is 39. There's several questions, a little scatter, I think. I don't remember well, but it's nothing consistent that I can say. We're going to talk about creation or this and that. It's just good questions here and there as always. And the importance lies always into what we can get out of it. Knowing what we know so far in this model of the law of one, of which I'm so passionate, as you know already. And uh, I'm just happy to, um, to share with you and happy that you're watching it. So I have nothing else to say, but thank you so much for watching, especially this whole hour as these, uh, these videos have become. And I'll see you in the next session, 39.